Shake, Sinora, shake your body line. Shake, shake, shake. Everybody, we are back. Okay. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode. And I just want to say real quick that Grace was not able to make it this episode. So we have Allie, Allosaurus Flex, you know, Seizures Palace. She's filling in for us right now. And we also have Dr. Fernando coming back because I will butcher your last name. I am so sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but we are going to talk about how to get through your first neurological, pro- um, what word am I looking for? Appointment, thank you, brain. Um, make it easier and ask the right questions and not feel awkward about it. So, who wants to take this off? What we should do, you know, the main problems of what we need to talk about. Would you like to go, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Bree. Hi, uh, Ali. Well, thank you so much for um, having me uh, again. I really uh enjoy talking to you and and having interesting discussions about um epilepsy and what we can do in order to improve quality of life uh, for those with um with this condition um just a quick introduction for those who um don't know me uh, my name is fernando cuillos i'm a, a trained foreign physician from colombia i moved to the states uh, 21 years ago and worked in clinical research and uh, I've been um, playing the role as a clinical advisor for uh, multiple uh, organizations, developing educational programs and outreach uh, for those with chronic neurological conditions, and epilepsy is one of them. And well, again, thank you, and I look forward to um, uh, review all these interesting questions and, and yes. talk about how to prepare for uh, the first, uh, first appointment with a neurologist. And I can say just from the feedback from the last time, they're really enjoying having a doctor. I have some insight and some commentary on this rather than, you know, just one or two of us, even though, you know, they appreciate it. It's really nice that a doctor's giving us that time because people are kind of hesitant on asking their own doctor. And we're going to cover that in this episode, actually. Ali, do you want to talk about your intro since you made a new epilepsy page and all that fun yeah, stuff? So a lot of people know me as Allosaurus Flex, but my new page is seizures underscore palace 65. So it's just kind of up and up and coming, I guess you could say. Um, and that's pretty much it. I share a video um, of my own personal experiences and a meme here and there, and then one epilepsy fact. So if you're a, a follower, go ahead and search Seizures Palace 65. And like we said, Grace is normally here, but she, I believe, had a seizure last night, this morning. I can't remember with my brain. So she's not able to make it on this one, but she'll come back when we do another episode here in the future. Okay, so like I said, we're going to talk about how to prepare for your appointments with a general neurologist, not an epileptologist. There is a difference, and we can explain that in a few minutes, but um, we want to see why, you know, what it takes to make it through this appointment and what you want to leave satisfied with, because it's the first couple appointments you kind of leave with no answers, honestly, except for a diagnosis. Let's put it that way. You're a little, you know, a, a little swimming around in your own head. Well, well let's this, yeah, uh, thank you, Bree. This is a very good question. But uh, before getting there, I would like to say that epilepsy is the most common chronic brain disease that affects uh, not only uh, children, but adults. And um, there are multiple causes. 
And statistics have shown that one in 26 Americans will develop epilepsy in their lifetime. But uh, people in general always come with the question, if I have a seizure, do I have epilepsy? And this is a very good question. That's why it's so important to understand that the neurologist is a, a specialized uh, doctor that studies the brain and the central nervous system who will determine or will help guide us to diagnose or rule out epilepsy. Because not everybody who has a seizure uh, has a diagnosis of epilepsy. This is important to understand. Um, there are other conditions that can mimic uh, epilepsy, um, heart um, you know, problems, changes in the metabolism of the sugar and um, fever in children. So by having a seizure, an episode of multiple, uh, that doesn't necessarily uh, define the condition as epilepsy. Uh, by uh, seeing the neurologist, uh, the, uh, the doctor will be able to diagnose or again, rule out uh, the condition. And that can take a lot of testing. Unfortunately, it can be exhausting, but you know what? They find out what is wrong and what isn't wrong when they do all those testing. And like he said, not every condition um, that has seizures is epilepsy, but every case of epilepsy, you have seizures. So is that, there's that fun thing that, you know, they overlap, but not all the time. <laughs> and I guess they call them seizure disorders instead of epilepsy. Yeah, and uh, when a patient or a person um, has had any episodes, uh, they're probably being um, referred by the general practitioner or by other specialist or another doctor uh, because they want to make sure that the neurologist is going to study uh, ordering study the, the the condition by ordering tests or assessments by performing a physical examination and following some uh, criteria in order to determine if the diagnosis is epilepsy. But uh, throughout this uh, podcast, we're going to learn how to be prepared for that appointment. Um, it is important to bring as much information as possible. We will be providing you a list of actionable, uh, uh, actionable uh, items, and we will help you to understand why it is important to be organized, to have all the information that the other doctors have provided you, and uh, by being prepared, uh, it's going to be a win-win situation either for uh, the doctors and also for the patient or the person with uh, the condition. I agree. And wouldn't you have to say so, Ali, like going into it with like blindly in the beginning, not knowing what it was, was absolutely exhausting. A lot, a lot for me was my, my mom. I was eight years old. So my mom was the one going into it and she knew something was wrong ahead of time. Um, so she logged everything down and then I had to, it took me having to have a full on seizure at school for them to finally listen to my mom. But, um, yeah, you go into it. And then when I was diagnosed, when I was 20 or, you know, seen again, it was like, whoa, you know, out of nowhere. And then it's just, it's, it gets really confusing sometimes. It does. Yeah. Okay. So should we go through this um, list real quick? Is that what we're going off of? 
Yeah, and actually we that uh, takes us to the next uh, question that we have in our list. And you said, Ali, that it was your mom who had to go through everything. You were a, you were a kid, you were a child. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first appointment with the neurologist is going to be different uh, for a child versus an adult. Uh, why? Because the assessments are different or the test could be a little bit different. Uh, the evaluation uh, probably is gonna require uh, to get the pediatrician involved. And again, because there are so many causes uh, that um, uh, can lead us to, to epilepsy. So it is important to understand that as well. So if you have a child that requires an evaluation by the neurologist, and um, and you don't have any certainty of what or who to see, where to go. The, the neurologist is the specialist who will help us uh, to again diagnose, either rule out or confirm the diagnosis. And I didn't have, um, as far as they know, epilepsy as a child, so I went into it straight as an adult. And um, I didn't know anybody else with it, or at least I didn't think so at the time. And so we went into it. We had to start at the very beginning of all the testing. And whew, it makes you want to, whatchamacallit, it makes you kind of, um, it makes you kind of want to give up, is guess what I'm saying. Or, you know, like if you're just doing all this, when you say, oh, it just makes you want to give up. It's just, it's like, it's, you go in blindly. You, well, Back when I was little, it was different because we didn't have all the information access to it that we have now. But even then, yeah. I had my first seizure as an adult. And then because there's so much span of time in between each seizure, now I'm having more seizures frequently, but you just kind of were like, okay, it was one seizure. All right, well, I don't know what's going on now. What are all these new things? And you're just lost. And a lot, a lot of people too, they go through a denial phase as well, where it's like, do I really want to put into the effort to look into all this? Because it's scary. Oh, it was just one seizure. Okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then it, a few months go by and then you're, you think you're fine. And then another one pops up and then it just becomes more, people don't really look into it. And deeper. it also becomes more life-threatening when you let it go like that. Like and people, don't, and that's why people, people don't know mm -mm. You know, they, or they, they don't want to come to terms with it. And I like, and I, I lose followers every time I bring this up on Instagram, but it's like, this is a potentially deadly diagnosis. And everyone's like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. I don't want to write about your obituary either, you know, but yeah. it happens mm -hmm. and you need to know that that's a fact. And the sooner you get through, you know, your diagnosis, and properly, the safer you are. So, yeah. but uh, we don't want people to get there. Uh, that's the reason no. we are in this podcast. And um, the diagnosis, having the diagnosis, will help uh, help you to improve your quality of life. The most important goal having a diagnosis is to provide the right treatment, and in order to keep people seizure free, or if that's not the case, because there's a condition related to medications where the patients don't respond, and we will have uh, other podcasts related to uh, this. Hi, that's me. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, it's to uh, avoid accidents, avoid complications, and always looking 
to improve uh, the quality of life again of those uh, with the condition. And I hadn't heard that term until I got brain surgery because I was drug resistant, like you just mentioned. And they're like, well, at this point, it's not necessarily seizure control. It is, um, what you might call it? Quality of life. It's quality of life at this point. And I'm like, I'm all right with that. You know, because at that point I was stuck in my room every freaking day doing nothing because Mm -hmm. I was afraid that I was going to die because of how severe my epilepsy was. and I mean it's still severe I mean every case is but it's just one of those things I didn't leave my house so know of both options or all the options that are there and even going through the it's your epilepsy.com and seeing all of the options was like wow you know I wish I had this a long time ago um because we look at it as it just needs to be seizure control period and Unfortunately, you lose privileges if you don't have it. So people are like, that's all that matters. And there are a Um, lot of us who are, who are just have to improve. Or they're not honest with their doctors. And we can, we can include that in some point because your doctors need to test you. But if you can't, if you're not, you know, honest with them, their tests don't mean anything. So you're just wasting their time and your time. So that one, I don't understand, you know? And it's, it gets different. And the reason it also can change as an adult, especially for women, um, your hormones change. And um, I am a big victim, I guess we can call that, of catamenial epilepsy or hormone-based ep- epilepsy. You have it too, right, Allie? Yes, I do. I believe Grace has it too. We're all a big trifecta of hormones. And like, it's just, that is something that I didn't know was a thing until I turned into a seizure center and they're like oh well you're you should check this I was like why what does that have to do with it but it's very common and as you get older and your hormones change and even menopause that can affect it too so and I'm not a man I can't speak on that behalf I don't know if there's anything that has to do with testosterone and hormones and epilepsy I wouldn't be surprised but I can't, I don't know the term of that but also guys go get checked out too you know it's, you're not immune I guarantee it. Exactly. That's uh, why all these tests um, are ordered uh, by the by the specialist to uh, determine if this condition is related to hormones or infections or um, genetics. If you have family history, probably uh, you inherited uh, the the condition. Or if there was something wrong during, um, uh, uh, you know, during the perinatal uh, phase when you were born, and um, those tests. When we talk about tests, we're talking about uh, electroencephalograms or EEGs. We're talking about CT scans. We're talking about MRIs. We're talking about other uh, tests. Uh, we have all, all the lists described in our web webpage. So I'm not going to go through them, but they're multiple, and uh, uh, you know that we can that we use and uh, clinicians use in order to determine and classify that uh, seizure. Uh, issue. And by having those tests available, they will uh, guide the clinicians to make um, a right diagnosis to pick the right treatment, as we said before. Yes. And I've been through them all. Like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure I've been through them all. And it gets frustrating when one test leads to another test, leads to another test, leads to another test. But 
they are ruling different things out. They're looking for different things. Even if you repeat them, they're looking for different things. And it sucks, but grin and bear it. It's only about an hour, you know, for a test. And some of them last a couple of days or a couple of weeks, depending on what you have, but it's worth it. I think so. I mean, it sucks. Bring something to do. That That's my own guess. Like, my own advice when it's a long test bring something to do but get it done right so uh, getting to uh, the first question about how to prepare for uh, the appointment with the general neurologist and we're talking about the first appointment um, we uh, need to know if you have been referred by uh, other uh, healthcare professional either by a pediatrician if you you have a child who had uh, seizures or the general practitioner. And as um, Brie shared with us about uh, hormonal um, epilepsy and uh, getting the gynecologist involved. So probably they have ordered uh, labs. Uh, they have a summary of uh, the medical records. If they order those tests, uh, bring those with you to the first appointment. These will be very helpful. And uh, we, you know, these uh, labs will help the neurologist, the neurologist, the neurologist, sorry, to uh, <laughs> order what other labs, what other tests are necessary uh, to avoid repeating tests, because we've been seeing this a lot in the health system that we've been referred by multiple physicians and they order the same labs. You had a CT scan two weeks ago and they don't have it available. They don't have the report. So they have to order another one because it is important to have that. So if you or your child has been referred by, um, by another healthcare professional and you have the results, if you have the images, bring them with you. It's gonna help you saving a lot of time during the, during the appointment. Nowadays, we also been talking about that you have just 30 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes with the doctor, it's not enough. They have to go through all you know, this information. They have to do a physical examination. So by bringing this um, uh, test results will be very, very, very helpful. Keep that in mind. I think that would be the number one uh, recommendation for the first appointment. And you can ask for your records, which people don't know. They're your records. They have to give them to you. They're yours. So you just say, can I have my records? And a lot of it's digital now. I know through my chart, I can see some of um, where my electrodes are placed in my brain, which is interesting. I just found out lur lurking through it when I was bored at night. Oh, there's cats outside. Excuse me. But um, yeah, basically that um, you can ask. And I know a lot of people are a little bit afraid to ask, but they're there. So you, you can definitely do that. Absolutely. You are entitled to request copy of uh, your records. Um, just be you know aware that sometimes you need to fill out some forms uh, to request uh, those uh, to the institution. So if it takes time or you have to go through a certain department uh, to get those copies, uh, you know, keep it keep it in mind. It is important to 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 do it. But um, 
uh, yes, you the records are yours, and of course you if you you know let them know that those are for the doctor that you're gonna see now the specialist, uh, they're not gonna have any problem by giving them to you. If you've been taking also medications and all those prescriptions and um, and um, other recommendations, bring all that information. If, if you don't have the, the prescription, if you have the medications you know, handy, bring them with you. That's not a problem. Uh, yeah. Again, we don't remember. The names are very complicated sometimes, and, but don't uh, bring just the information that I'm taking the white pill uh, and, and because- The white you, long one with pills. the alien writing on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know how many white pills are out there in the market? and for so many conditions so by bringing the the either the the prescription or the medications that will be also helpful seems like it's better to be over prepared with things than that you may you know may or yeah, may not come with a suitcase instead of a napkin you know what i mean like it's better yeah. <laughs> and to be underprepared and and they do appreciate it i can say that because once i got I had my first epileptologist and he had to move to New York. And then I got the one that I have currently. And like, he taught me how to do everything and list everything and like, get ready for my, like my next appointment. She was just like, I, I, I don't even have to ask you anything. I was like, no, I was like, I'm here with everything. Just shoving all the information in your face. And she's like, any other questions? I was like, no. And then you just leave. And, and it's, Fernando, it's do you that find way. that it kind of helps the process along when people come in with absolutely everything that they need, I mean, or overly prepared? Oh, uh, that would be ideal. Uh, yeah. it, is, um, it is easier to evaluate the patient and you can go through the physical evaluation, uh, you know, more uh, guided, if I can say that, just trying to find um, the right information to make a diagnosis. So all this information is very, very valuable. And another thing that you mentioned also is about medical records. Now we've seen that um, they're all organized by networks. If you've been referred within the network, doctors share those medical records, uh, digital um, uh, medical records. So it, that makes it even easier because everything is there in the computer. But if not, again, uh, just ask for a summary, get copies, bring them with you. Um, it is every single piece of information is very, very important. I've noticed my doctor's attitude's a little bit nicer too when I'm prepared. Like she's not mm -hmm. as stressed. She just kind of like comes through. She's just like, oh, awesome. And like, she enjoys my appointment. And then she's like, well, I gotta go. I'm like, oh, the next person that, you know, you don't want to deal with. So just for anybody who's listening out there, if I find a lot of people want a diagnosis and want everything right away, but they're going happen. in unprepared. So for any of you guys who really want to help your neurologist, your whomever you're seeing out, be as prepared as possible. Yeah, just yeah, bring I, them with so much info, like as much as you can, instead of going in there like, oh. I, I agree with you, Ali. This is a very important um, uh, issue. Uh, people being desperate to have a diagnosis to learn if they have or they don't have epilepsy. But uh, we need a little bit of patience here and uh, because um, it is it, it is a process. It takes some time. You're probably not going to get the answer right away from the from the neurologist. Uh, the 
the labs, all these tests that we've been talking about, plus the physical evaluation, probably by other referrals, um, you know, asking for their um, opinion, um, like the pediatrician, the, the gynecologist, as we said before, and putting all this information together is gonna take the neurologist uh, to make a diagnosis. But let's, let's say uh, somebody shows at the clinic with zero information, they don't have anything, they have a, an episode of, of, of a seizure, they have to go through all these questions and order a series of labs. So you have to go, um, you know, get schedule all those uh, appointments for all those procedures or all those tests, uh, schedule an appointment for the follow-up, probably waiting to see another doctor, getting, you know, the answer, getting the, the, the report to bring to the neurologist. So this is gonna take time. But if you're prepared, and you're bringing as much information as possible, that's gonna help to skip some other steps because you bring the, the uh, electroencephalogram and you brought the summary of the evaluation from the pediatrician as an example. Um, so we are gonna skip that step. We don't need an MRI, we don't need a, another EEG, probably we need another test and um, just to uh, schedule the follow-up appointment. So that would help also shorten the, the period to get to the diagnosis and start a treatment if necessary. That's another point, because if we confirm that the, the person um, uh, has epilepsy, we need to start medication as soon as possible. So uh, being prepared, bringing all this information will help us to get to the diagnosis um, sooner and start medications even uh, sooner. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, you're starting at ground zero, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It was going to take. It's going to take a lot of time, a lot of appointments, a lot of follow-ups. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be overwhelming and frustrating. So it, it, it's 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 helping you at the end to get where we want to get and get that answer. Uh, that uh, again is is people are desperate to get. And if you don't, and another we can the next point. If you don't have the medical records, and someone happened to capture your seizure and record it, bring that with you. I've never been uh, that person that's gotten because mine don't happen. Like they're not very violent a lot of the time, and they happen in my sleep, so they don't, or they're very fast, so they don't get like the the video recording of it. But I've had so many people like record their children's seizures or like their partner seizures or whatever. And um, they have that has gotten them diagnosed so quickly. Like it's not even funny just showing up with actual seizure evidence. Like because another thing, um, your seizures tend to not show up on EEG sometimes. They have like performance anxiety or something like that. I don't know. But I mean, I don't know about you, Ali, but like the, when I was under the EEG or like the video EEG, they had to mess with my meds in order for them to come up. Like if for me, they didn't show up, like if you, they do the strobe or anything. For my, for well, for my week long EEG, I only had one grand mal seizure when I was suffering like more, but you can only do so much when you're laying in a bed, but I'm glad I even had that. But I know that when I was little, um, there was activity. I found out as an adult 
that my medical records did say that there was seizure activity. So it, I found it interesting because nothing, I didn't feel anything going on that I can remember, but things do trigger, you know, stuff no. in, in the brain and it'll show. So yeah, mine don't, mine never showed up on the little, and that's, a, that's another thing. They don't always show up on tests. So that's why you might be doing multiple tests. Mine, I had to do the in-depth SEEG, you know, stereo EEG in order for them to find all my, People my out there who are listening. They, they don't do tests just for the sake of doing tests. <laughs> oh, right. no, it is, it's very exhausting to your doctors, yeah. the techs, yeah. the nurses, like they're, they don't want to stay Nando, up 24 uh, weigh in on that. Yeah. And I would say a high percent, I'm not going to say any numbers, uh, but uh, there's a high probability that you're not going to have a seizure right in front of the doctor when they are evaluating you. So you, you touch a very important point here. Everybody has smartphones now, nowadays. Recording a video will be also very helpful. Why? Because seizures are different. Seizures are classified depending upon where they start in the brain, if the person remains or loses consciousness, if there are other symptoms, the type of movement. And um, if you're a parent of a child that uh, is having seizures, record a video. Take that smartphone. I know it can be painful. It's difficult sometimes just like because you want to do something but or designate somebody in the family to record that episode and bring it to the doctor so they can see what type of seizure it is. If it is, you know, um, affecting the entire body or if it's affecting just part of the body, just the, uh, the extremities or is just facial expressions. So all that information, it is important. And, uh, and if you're an adult, as a family member, okay, I had an episode or is repeating, uh, just record information, you know, this, uh, designate this person, uh, your partner, your friend, a family member to record that video and, um, and write information about the time um, and how long it, it, it took to, to stop and uh, what, uh, where it happens. And um, it was related to any activity, as you said, uh, Ali, and uh, anything related to the episode, what uh, was happening around uh, the person who's having the seizures in the environment, or if there was a trigger, something mm -hmm. that could have happened. If the patient was sick and have fever, also, you know, fever, did you take the temperature, record the temperature? And um, how much sleep did you get last night? Is someone pissing you off, you know, like, I mean, honestly, is something stressing you out? Like even during that week, you have to include everything. And if you don't use the correct terms that your doctor, you know, probably uses like postictal, you know, all that stuff or um, tonic, clonic, all that stuff to be like, my body stiffened up and it hurt. They know what you mean. They right. can do it. Or it's right. like, I stared off and it's like, oh, I didn't go catatonic. When people right. do like message me about what do I do? I'm so big on the, just write everything down during the day, whether it's mm -hmm. your, your, the parent who's, who has a child that's suffering. I tell them, watch them write everything you possibly can down if you don't know where to start. And then as an adult, you know, if I have a stressful day or I have, you know, therapy appointment or something, I already know what my triggers are because I've kind of figured them out, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. 
documenting yeah. that as exactly a... and even I even uh, document when I don't have one I'm like no I didn't have a seizure today I was like but I was pissed off at blah 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 blah, blah. didn't sleep too well so later down the week if I have one it's like oh I guarantee this is still living rent free in my head and I didn't sleep too well so I guarantee that's what it is and it helps because you go instead of having that well why did I have a seizure out of nowhere like right. you know what is causing it possibly so yeah. it's just helpful yeah, when we talk about recording uh, the video, some uh, people feel hesitant because uh, others are going to probably attack them or tell them not to do it for X, Y, if you are in public. But just tell people, this is for the doctor. I need this. And that's it. Record it. Don't feel the pressure of people telling you what not to do or to do. Just record the video. You don't know the value of that information uh, again, because the probability of having a seizure in front of the doctor is gonna be minimum. Uh, the probability to show um, a seizure during the EE, the electroencephalogram recording uh, is, uh, it can vary. So this yeah. is key, this is key. So again, we have uh, smartphones, and all there's of a us difference in our pockets, between recording it and then recording it and turning it into a meme on the internet or recording oh. it and putting it on the internet. I think, people, I think that's a lot of times. You don't want to do that. It's about respect. To, bad. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's about respect to the person who's exactly. And if that's you want to yeah. do it to show awareness, block your kid's face out, you know, like type of you can do that. You can Just make it a private page. Like, it things that should be common knowledge stuff. But yeah, you I think, think that's that, all it's hard for people to want like I've asked my husband like I have no idea I've only seen my seizure myself in a seizure one time and that was in the hospital the video EEG mm -hmm. and I don't even remember I just remember I was like a starfish like my art but every one of them are different but Fernando you brought up a point about videotaping certain facial movements or whatever the case is mm -hmm. because that does determine what part of the brain is going on and that's helpful and oftentimes I don't think people realize that that helps and I've asked mm -hmm. my husband like I know this sounds really morbid to do but can you you know he hasn't yet because usually I'm very I'm very violent so he's trying to you know corral me but um you know I ask details like what happened and sometimes he's like I, I can't tell you everything because I'm just trying to make sure you're breathing but yeah. else out there you know it's like my sister I'll ask her too because she's usually the one that catches mine she's like oh your face was twitching or you're like pushing me away with your right hand or like you know like your eye was moving and mine are like my uh partial ones are just my face you can't tell anything else really and like you have no idea unless my like my face twitches and that's how they catch they catch them for me it's like my mouth kind of like you know flutters on me I guess you can say like I do some Elvis thing almost so right. you know and that's the thing it's they're all they show up differently on everyone, even if you have the same seizure type. Correct. And, Correct. Yeah. Yes. yes. So yeah. that's what makes it also very important that you document it, you get tested, you go to your neurologist, blah, 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 blah. Because if I have this type of thing going on, that could be your, you know, your absence seizure that you're having. I have no idea. They don't know until they put you under test and see your brain yeah. waves. And about the, the consciousness, uh, that's another important um, information to record because, again, there are some other conditions that mimic epilepsy that can mm -hmm. uh, be differentiated with the, with the consciousness if you lose it or not. So, um, and, you know, 
you can talk to the person and they're answering, can, they can be kind of disoriented, but, but that, that's also um, uh, something good to, to record and bring to the, to the appointment. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't need every person you know to do that. Like definitely designate some people that you trust to do that like I wouldn't ask you know like my brother's girlfriend no offense I doubt you'll hear this like I don't know her that well to be like oh can you take care of my seizures can you record this can you tell me what happened you know something like that you wouldn't ask someone you know a random person to do that you get like your sister your husband your boyfriend blah 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 your mom to do it that knows what's going on that knows you and stuff like that and so that that's very into, helpful yeah that goes into the kind of the next point of who to bring to an appointment. So um, like what we that were- person, Yeah, that person that was present during the during the episode, if somebody, as Brie mentioned, uh, you trust this uh, family member, this friend, bring, bring that person with you. And if you feel comfortable bringing them for the follow-ups, that's fine. Uh, we actually recommend everybody to bring somebody because they can take notes when uh, the, the person is listening to the doctor recommendations or, or uh, they can provide answers if uh, the doctor is asking uh, questions related to the episodes. But somebody, bring somebody that is gonna be responsible, somebody who's gonna be uh, proactive, somebody that is gonna be uh, supportive, that's gonna be there to help you with um, with the notes, uh, asking relevant questions, important questions are associated with the with the episodes, and um, and uh, could be again anybody. And of someone course, that's not an asset or someone that is an asset, not a detriment to your appointment. My my mom is gonna love you for saying that, Fernando. She's gonna listen to this. She's gonna be like, <laughs> I'm going into the next office visit with you because she always I'm 35 and my husband is there for the majority of them. But she sends me in with questions. She drives me there and then she's like, I'll sit out here. I guess I want to go in. But she my sends mom goes in. in. She sends uh, me in with all of her questions that she has. <laughs> My I'm, 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 I'm happy to hear that because, um, <laughs> you know, when mom uh, was going to the doctor's appointments, she wanted me to go with her, with dad and her. So mm -hmm. it was like a family visit. And uh, uh, of course, not because she didn't trust dad, but it was like, uh, you're the doctor, you understand better, you're going to explain and you're going to ask the questions that I need you to ask. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> but not always, not always uh, I was available. And when since I moved to the States, it was impossible. But sometimes we had, um, you know, calls when I, I, I provided them information and, and uh, give them kind of guidance on how to prepare for that appointment. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, I'm 32. My mom still goes in with me. I don't think she's gonna stop. So you know, you're it's not, like you're not helping my case, Bree. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind my mom no, going I in. Lo there. I love my parents. The support that I have from my it's parents just, and my husband. It's you know, I, I <laughs> she gets be, to hear all the details. Let's just put it that way. I would be curious about adolescents listen to this uh, because, you know, when we get to that age that we, oh, we are, you know, mature enough, I can do everything by myself. <laughs> and, and, uh, but yeah, take this into consideration because uh, it would be good to be, uh, you know, 
Well, let's put it uh, this way. Right next to you. Yeah. Like, let's put it this way. We can whine about it, but it's like when you have a seizure, you want someone to get you food, bring you a blanket. Who do you call your parents? So, <laughs> my, majority of the time, it's my husband. Your I mean, husband or your parents. So, so you can't, can't whine about like who's in the room with you because they're right in the room. You know what? Everybody, everybody is different. Do it. Or should I have somebody in there with me? Yes, I guess. But yes. because I'm so independent or want to be, and I'm so dependent in other ways. Sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm just going to go in myself because I'm an adult, but it's, it really is smart regardless of how old you are to have somebody in there, period. Me, it's mostly because I don't remember anything. Exactly. That is a yeah. good point because I like having my husband with me in certain things so he can kind of take it in and because my brain is just off. Mine's so. just like, I'll sit there, I'll go, like, I'll prep the entire ride up to, to UCLA from my house, which is almost three hours away. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I got this, I got this, I got this. I get in there and I'm like, duh, I don't remember what I want to ask her. So I bring her in my mom in with me because she can kind of fill in what I want to say so that's another helpful point if you're on the fence of bringing someone in with you yes absolutely should and and all these recommendations apply to any condition yeah uh, because you know well the information that uh, the clinicians are going to provide, the doctors are going to provide, can be overwhelming. And the test could be a list of tests. And, and you're so concerned about, oh, what it is, I'm going to be okay. And, um, you know, you, you have so many questions, so many things are going through your head that probably you're not going to be paying attention to what the doctor is saying or what he's ordering. So mm-hmm. that person is going to be very, very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. For sure. Exactly. And that I guess leads to, you know, talking about going to see another doctor. Maybe you're afraid of asking, but then there's my mom who's like, well, why isn't she going to say this? You know, so there are people who are a lot braver and who you kind of need because you're just kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I'll just accept what you have to say when my mom gives me a list of questions and then I go out to go see her and she's like, well, what about this? And what about this? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is what they said. So you're kind of you need somebody to advocate for you as well. For me, it was um, my neuropsychiatrist because my mom was talking to my doctor while I was getting a test or my epileptologist while I was getting a test. And she's like, do you have anybody she can go see type of thing? Because her she's mentally not there. Then my epileptologist comes to me. He's like, you know, do you want to talk about going to see a, a neuropsychiatrist that works with me? And four and a half years later, I still see him. And so that was definitely the right person to go see. But if I didn't ask or my mom didn't ask, I probably wouldn't know about them. You know, and they're all, they all work together kind of in a network at a seizure center. Yeah. And I enjoy it. (laughs) Less work for me. Definitely. Definitely. We, you know, uh, we know that, um, the neurologist is not going to work by themselves. They're always interacting with other healthcare professionals because they are going to contribute with their expertise in the management of uh, of the condition. Uh, we mentioned before the gynecologist, probably the hormonal uh, changes. We need to see the, the gynecologist. And uh, again, going through this uh, amount of information and amount of tests and evaluation and how you're feeling and if you feel depressed and uh, there's a lot of anxiety because you need to you want to know and you're desperate and you don't know where to what to do or, or where to go to um, 
anxiety can be associated with this. So uh, the help of a psychologist or psychiatrist, uh, that's gonna be very helpful too. If uh, the neurologist see the need uh, to refer to this other specialist, they will do it and that's fine. But understand that uh, there's a multidisciplinary involved in uh, for every condition, but especially for this, uh, talking about seizures and epilepsy itself, uh, you know, other healthcare professionals are going to be involved. Um, referrals are going to happen. So feel that the doctors are doing the best uh, of the best of the best to try to, uh, you know, help you with the diagnosis and give you, you know, provide you with the right treatment. And if you don't like it, there are plenty of other doctors out there. Stop, you know, you can only complain so much before it becomes your problem that you're not changing. Yeah. And I, I've, once I found my team at the seizure center and they all work together, that was like the dream team. And I'm very glad that they do. And there are plenty of them out there. See if you can find a seizure center out there. Yeah. They all work together. No, for sure. I think that's another, a lot of stuff, a lot of um, what people don't know about epilepsy is that there are lots of uh, resources out there. Just, and it's a multi-layered diagnosis. In the, in the age of our tech of technology, take advantage of. <laughs> you have to see him in person. Yeah, you can just talk to him on like, FaceTime. I mean, take advantage of searching for that type of thing. But anyway, that's it. Yeah, and and even if you're not going to be referred to, to another healthcare professional, if you if you feel like your mental health is not there, and you can ask. Uh, the doctors are going to be, you know, happy to answer all your questions. Uh, tell them and be honest, share with them how you're feeling. Look, I'm, I'm, I have this anxiety. I'm having panic attacks. I'm not sleeping and I'm having these issues. My mood is not the same. I'm, I'm always angry. So they will determine if it's necessary to refer you. But you can ask, is, is, is it okay to see a psychologist? And they will be very helpful and they will guide you and answer the questions that you have that's why it is so important to bring those questions you know a list of questions but they're going to be that questions that are going to be relevant to the to the appointment um so especially during the first visit uh we are always again anxious to to hear the diagnosis what is what this is i need to know is this epilepsy or not what i'm going through can i can i get treatment or not of course the doctor will, you know, guide you and tell you based on the uh, physical examination. Again, after reviewing all those labs and all those um, uh, tests that you have had, or you, after, you know, during the appointment a bit later, if he or she has to order them. So, but if there's some specific questions that you want to be answered before leaving the the doctor's office, write them down. I'm sure they will be happy to answer. And that's going to help with your anxiety, with your stress as a patient or as a parent. Uh, but feel free. You know, questions are always welcome. Yes. And, and then people kept asking me when we put that out, like, are you being rude if you ask questions, if you question your doctors? Like, when's it too early to question your doctors? I'm like, you know, I think you just, I feel like I didn't, ask questions soon enough in my case I feel like I should have asked them before and I regret not doing so and I I feel like I wasted 10 years of my di diagnosis but I didn't know any better 
and I didn't have the um whatchamacallit I didn't have the resources that we have now with social media and stuff to connect with other people when I first got diagnosed I was like 17 we didn't have that we had like MySpace back then (laughs) (laughs) yeah and MySpace yeah pretty much yeah Yeah, but but my recommendation at this point is before going to Google and Google you know questions uh you're gonna get wrong answers and that's gonna scare you even more and it's Mm -hmm. gonna cause a lot of anxiety and that's gonna uh, make you like feeling that you don't know where to go what to do so the doctor is the person at this point the doctor is the person who will be answering uh, those questions and if they don't have the answers they look for them that's, that's that's the purpose of a physician. Okay, we don't have all the answers. Let's find them. So that's why we're going to order these labs. That's why we're going to refer you to this other specialist. That's why we need to do this procedure. So, but uh, yeah, I, I I highly recommend everybody uh, not to go through you know um, the, the internet because uh, as we have trusted resources, we have some others that not accurate so we have to be very careful and we can we don't know how to navigate in general and i'm including myself and that's why i i encourage you to write um you know down a list of questions what you think they're going to be uh the most important ones to be answered before you leave the doctor's office and i'm assure you that you it is going to help you with your anxiety with your you know stress and and uh it's going to help the doctor as well you know because he's going to guide you on how to treat you based on what you're feeling and and what your needs are yeah and i know i've take i got down the dark rabbit hole of searching things when i was first diagnosed like oh i'm gonna die now like I, yeah, you have no it's not. It's not when I had said earlier on, you know, looking for resources. I meant looking for resources, not. Oh no, like, like finding numbers to call Google, people. Like <laughs> every, yeah, but I mean, in Fernando, though, too, what you had mentioned about going to your doctor, they will give you those resources. So if that's that's probably a, a better route to do. But my point was in this day and age, how do people not know things about things? You know what I mean? We have, do have access to a lot and people can at least find the definition, be it as wrong as it is. No, exactly. You you, people just, they just don't know, but you made a good point. Go to your doctor they'll hand you, here's pamphlet after pamphlet. Here's this, here's this number. We'll get you this Mm -hmm. number to call whatever the case is. And if you want someone to vent to, go to social media and find someone else with epilepsy. Knows that I can't diagnose you. But, you know, and I won't try to diagnose you, but it's like, you can find it. There's Discord, there's Reddit, there's, you know, all that stuff. There's someone willing to bitch. Anybody out there too, who's listening to this, don't, a lot of our community likes to diagnose each other, but everybody is different. Mm -hmm. We won't go down that topic because we can get our- so, Let's just say if someone told on. you not to take med, do not listen to them. Okay. Listen yeah. to what your doctor says. I'm, I'm sick of having to fight people on this, but uh, yeah, anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> and well, and go and visit, you know, trusted, um, uh, you know, podcast like this one, you're bringing us uh, to your podcast. You're inviting us uh, to provide information and you're becoming a resource, a valuable one. And also Why, I'm happy thank to you. Wait 
yeah, that you you uh, you have uh, made an impact in the community, and that's why physicians have joined uh, your Instagram and have been joining your your podcast because we want to be part of it. But uh, this is the way to do it: do your research and look for trusted resources. That would be my advice. I think so too, because your your diagnosis is different than everybody else's. Like I've always. I always say it's like your thumbprint. Nobody else has it. It's your diagnosis, your life. You know, it's going to, even if it's the exact same diagnosis, the exact same seizures, your life is not their life. If it is, you're freaking me out. So, you know, it's a little different. So you need to go get your resources, your treatment, blah, blah, blah. Ask your questions. Right, 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 right. And, um, Somebody asked also about the follow-up uh, appointment. We talked about um, how to be prepared for the first appointment, but also we would like to make recommendations for the follow-up appointments, um, especially if uh, the neurologist ordered a series of uh, labs or tests, make sure that you uh, have them all, bring them all, and um, if it was referred, if you were referred or your child was referred to another physician, bring a note, bring a summary of that referral and uh, keep writing information. If the episodes and the seizures got better or got worse, just write that down, record all that, those, you know, um, those things that we mentioned before that are going to be important uh, for the follow-up appointments as well. Yeah. And uh, if they prescribe medications, um, let the doctor know, okay, you gave uh, me this medication, it's working, it's not working, uh, I had these side effects, whatever is related to this first appointment that is going to help the doctors again to get to the diagnosis and prescribe you the right um, medication or the right treatment, um, just keep uh, you know collecting information. A again, follow-ups appointments are not much different for the first one, uh, but um, uh, it is important to also keep this in, in, in mind. Yes, and you keep, just remember that you maybe, they may be your only doctor, but you're not their only patient. So they're not going to remember everything that is going on. Correct. So That's it's on you at some point to, you know, keep your files in order type of thing. That's, that's uh, a good advice. And um, we, um, uh, I think we should also uh, mention about uh, the questions that we gather from the community. Um, Bree, you want to share, uh, you know, the idea of why we submitted a, a request and 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 um, what yeah. we're going to be talking about? We um, were asking you guys with, you know, that had the patients, the loved ones, and stuff like that. It helps get direct feedback from you guys because we are the ones that diagnose you know I mean are diagnosed with this that go to the appointments that deal with all this stuff and it gets really frustrating you can't I can't tell you how many times a day I see people that tell me they don't like their doctors they don't know where to go they don't have any idea of what to say nobody gets them etc cetera, etc cetera. so we really want to make it so that you feel seen you feel understood and you have, we have that connection between you guys. And it's like, I love my doctors personally. 
and it took a while to find them, but I can tell my doctors anything now. And I really, really, really want that to be, you know, a common theme instead of people just being, oh, well, excuse me, here goes another appointment and it's going to add to my epilepsy. And, you know, I I don't know about you, Allie. I know we had the same, I've been to your doctor before. Uh, Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And he wasn't my solution and I'm not calling him out. He just wasn't my solution. So there's proof right there that everyone's different, you know? He's at this point, I have to still have to schedule. They just put in for me to schedule another or week long stay in the unit, stay in the EMU. So, I mean, at this point, at this point there, I still haven't found anything that's working for me until Mm -hmm. I get that done again. So he either will be, or won't be, I don't know. (laughs) Thus far, no. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I have, you know, everyone's diagnosed, like I keep saying, everyone's diagnosis is different. And a lot of people were very afraid to talk to their doctor. They thought they were, might be stepping on toes. They thought they might be offending them. I'm like, um, your doctor's human still there's they make mistakes you know they they forget things you you can ask them they're they're not you know Hannibal Lecter they're not going to bite your face off it's okay some of the some of the I'm looking at the questions for the first appointment here um what's the first one up there the topic is how do I tell my doctor I don't want to use that medication or I'm concerned about side effects that kind of goes into talking with the doctor um you just tell them I don't want to take this one. Do you have anything else? Oh, like that's yeah. basically all you do. But right. also to give them the op- give that medicine the opportunity to do yes. Job. Right, right. Uh, these questions are coming from the community, and we wanted to be proactive and answer you know specific questions that we consider very very important that we probably didn't cover uh, through our conversation um, before. But this one is 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 important. Uh, medications are different. Uh, you know, Brie, you, you're absolutely right. Every condition is different. Every patient is different. Medications are going to uh, work in a different way. So you need to be, uh, quote unquote, patient and let the medication work and give the doctor uh, time to determine if the medication is really getting to the right level and um, and if they need some adjustments. If that's not the case. If the doctor prescribed a medication and you continue having seizures, there are other lines of medications. We have like uh, tiers and um, you can make combinations of medications, but that that uh, need uh, needs to be evaluated throughout the time. So not because you're getting medication from the first appointment or from the first visit, that's going to uh, treat you and you're going to be free of seizures. Uh, That's not probably going to be the case. So epilepsy is a very, very uh, unique condition. It takes uh, time to diagnose and it takes time to treat it uh, to get the right medication, the right medication combinations or the right treatment. As uh, also mentioned before, some patients don't, unfortunately don't respond to medication. So there are other uh, treatment options out there, but um, tell the doctor, share with them. Uh, I've heard that this medication has these side effects. It's gonna happen to me. if you know of you have heard something about it, the doctor is going to answer your questions. But again, uh, uh, 
uh, the doctor is going to need time uh, to see how you respond to the medication that has been prescribed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess that is also ties into how long should I wait before questioning your meds? You need to give it some time. Like just so that that ties into that one. So and if you don't like them or still like what's going on to you, you can request a blood blood level blood level test. I got this. So, so that ties into that. It is okay to request them. I request them every three months, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yeah. it like that because my doctor, what were you going to say, Ali? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was oh, at my oh. doctor, but my previous epileptologist did them every month for me. This one's kind of like, eh, whatever. So now I'm, I'm so used to getting poked with a needle. I'm like, okay, so do you want me to do it now? Like, do you want me to do it now? But right. That's a good. That's another good point because uh, some medications uh, need um, follow-ups uh, more frequently than others uh, the, to check on those levels. So medications are different, as I said before. Um, some are gonna require um, closer or you know regular um, labs, um, also to evaluate side effects and. Um, uh, the doctor will determine that and will help you, but you, you are free to ask uh, um, to the doctor about them. And side effects, talking about side effects and, 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 and uh, recording uh, for the follow-ups, this is important. If you have been prescribed with the medication after your first appointment or after you know, being diagnosed, uh, if you're having any, any uh, symptoms not related to the epilepsy, but to the medication, write it down, discuss it with the doctor, how severe it is, if it is really bothering, if you can tolerate it. Uh, all those things are gonna help to determine if the medication needs to be adjusted or if the medication needs to be changed. So mm-hmm. again, this is about taking notes. I think that would be <laughs> our uh, um, <laughs> way uh, take it's notes. It's helpful. <laughs> the moral of it all is as much information, write things down and. <laughs> exactly. Right. Just like, is there anything you don't want them? Well, they don't want to hear about, you know, like, well, why isn't my boyfriend talking to me this week? But anything that's relevant to your epilepsy and your worries, you can bring it up. Like, um, you know, it's like, and you know what, even if it's like, why isn't my boyfriend talking to this, me this, this week? Maybe it's because of my attitude. So maybe you actually can break that up. And that has to do with your doctor. The doctor too and everything and how how to talk to your doctor. Yes, that was nice. We had discussed um, you know, previous to this, you know, podcast right here about requesting things and not necessarily demanding them. Not Um, being an ass. Let's just put it out there. Being (laughs) in regards to what you're talking about about the labs. My my neurologist said you're on this medication. And in one month, we're going to go ahead and check your, check your blood. So I'm not going to sit there and go demand every single time. Like, okay, we need to do this, need to do this, need to do this, let them bring it to their attention. And then they'll determine like what you were talking about. So how you talk to your neurologist. And if you don't attack them. Yeah. Here is about uh, building a relationship. Honestly, being, you know, open, shared information with the doctor, that's going to help to 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 get there where we want to you know uh, get you better to get you prescribed with the right medication or with the right treatment so 
think about it. It's about how you talk to the doctor and for the doctor, how the doctor is talking to the patient. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a mutual conversation. Uh, think about building a relationship, sharing information. And, and, and when you're talking about uh, things that you don't want to bring up to the to the conversation or to the during the appointment uh, I don't think there's anything that you don't mm. you don't have or you don't you cannot bring uh, up the, to the appointment discuss whatever is going through your mind and whatever is making you feel the way you're feeling uh, this is important and we actually encourage you we said it before let them know the, what, how you're feeling, what your goals are. You probably don't care about the medication. You probably don't care about, you know, the, the amount of tests that are going to die. I just want to play basketball. Help me to play basketball every two weeks. If I have to take 10 medications, you have to take two. I'm exaggerating. You don't have to take 10 medications, but I'm just <laughs> making it up. You know, but if you have to take multiple medications or you have to take one or you, or you have, you know, to do certain things that you, but your goal and, and uh, is to play basketball, just share with the doctor. That, that way he can adjust it. I will say, okay, let's see how, and can you play basketball? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's answer that um, one. And first. just like, how soon is it to bring up pregnancy? If your goal is to be a mother and have a family, bring it up. Absolutely. You know, that's a very frequent one. And I think this is, this is, um, thank you for mentioning it, um, um, Brie, because uh, pregnancy, I think, is something that you need to discuss with your doctor, either during the first appointment or if you have been diagnosed. Uh, but uh, if you're going to talk about it, um, you know, plan the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've been diagnosed with epilepsy, it is important to understand that there are medications that are going to be contraindicated, that they do the doctors need to uh, look for the medications that are going to help you. Uh, they need to evaluate other conditions if they are associated, if you're taking other medications. So if you show up, you know, pregnant, to, and you show up at the clinic pregnant, this is going to cause a little, you know, hiccups and uh, challenges for, for, for the healthcare professionals, even for the gynecologist and, and, and uh, the OBGYN doctor um, and, and the neurologist. But um, if you, you know, you want to become uh, a parent and you have discussed this, and also I recommend this uh, to, to, to our listeners, if you want to get pregnant, talk to your partner, plan it. Are we ready? Um, we know the challenges and or we need to ask the doctor the challenges. Uh, find out about what it takes to be pregnant with the diagnosis of epilepsy. Can you have a baby? Of course you can, but you need to be followed up uh, closely. You need to see uh, other specialists. Uh, there are some requirements in order to make um, a pregnancy uh, successful. So, Plan it, talk about it, uh, get uh, and, and and let the, the the neurologist know so he can get other uh, healthcare professionals involved in order to make that you know uh, pregnancy successful. As I said, so as like a, a gist of everything, because that is going to talk, discussing about the pregnancy is going to determine what medications you're you can and can't be on. Say, so I'm not going to have. I'm not going to have kids. My husband and I don't want children. So I'm able to take certain medications that are, would have, you know, a higher side effect 
of a baby. And it's something that people who want to get pregnant shouldn't be on. Um, But my overall point was talk to your doctor, um, be open and honest, because I find too many people like my doctor didn't do this. And if you don't give your doctor a chance and you're not forthcoming about all the questions that you have, and then you just walk away going like, well, my doctor did this and my doctor said that it's, it's not fair to your neurologist. If you're not telling them all the information that you you have and a good point, Fernando is setting those goals, setting like with me in bodybuilding, my, my bodybuilding, I have to just, am I, can I do this? Am I going to do this? You know, you you can't push yourself into, you know, status epilepticus trying to lift weights. Exactly. I mean, you can, but don't. Absolutely. It's again, quality of life. Bodybuilding is what makes you happy and why we have to, you know, uh, tell you not to do it. Let's find a way where we can control your seizures and, and, and let you do what you love the most. And, um, and that's a good example. That's a very good example. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest one that I get a lot, and I think this might be the last one, is to how to be a supportive par- uh, partner or a loved one. And we've mentioned that a, like throughout, you know, this podcast, like be there for the appointments, take notes, plan pregnancies, you know, ask questions. That's all we need is someone to just be there. I don't need someone to, you know, try to make me feel better about the fact that, oh, well, you, you know, it'll pass. Shush, I'm at terms with my epilepsy. Just be there if I'm in a, a bad mood, if I have a seizure. If I'm like, I'm in the mood for in and out, you know, like just go get it type of thing. You know, like that's what we need. We don't need the someone to try to, you know, patronize us in, in a way to make think us feel positive. better. Think positive <laughs> when we're all <laughs> uh, caregivers, caregiving, care partners is another episode. I think we should have yes. another one because so much information about it. Um, we will. We, need, we just we need, touched we on to, it in this one. Absolutely, and and we need to provide um, information and support uh, to those um, you know living with epilepsy. When we actually we included it in in our. Uh, webpage is your epilepsy.com. When we talk is your epilepsy, it's not only you, you are the leader, but you are, you know, you're sharing this um, uh, journey with your family members, with your friends and, and, and uh, with your doctors. So um, the role of the care partner is vital in epilepsy, but it's important for the care partners to understand their role. What is relevant? because they also need to take care of themselves because sometimes they forget about themselves just to provide care, uh, to make um, the the person with epilepsy to feel better, to have everything ready and there for them, but sometimes they forget about themselves. So um, they need to think that uh, caregiving is more than being there and being supportive uh, with the person with the, with the diagnosis. So, but, um, when we are talking about caregiving and we were talking about care partners, it's important uh, to know that uh, they are playing a very important role. And uh, we need we need you if you're listening to us. Uh, we need you. You're you are very important also uh, during the journey. And um, and we want you to be there and 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 um, and understand 
why you're so important in uh, in uh, in the care of the, all of the person with the diagnosis. Yes, we have not forgotten about you, and we know that you are forgotten about in the community, but that will be touched upon very I love, soon. I love how during our podcasts we get inspiration for other podcasts. That's how I work. <laughs> like I watch I watch movies, and I'm like, oh, I should make a post about this. Like absolutely. It's- and if you want if you want to learn more about caregiving or any of the topics that we have discussed today. Just um, drive Brie and Ali crazy, and I'm more than happy to join. <laughs> you ain't Chris Brown, you ain't going to We're good. <laughs> okay, I'm happy. And again, to provide answers. But if we don't have them, as I said before, uh, we will look for them. Uh, yes, we, want- we will be your starting point to help you out because we started from blind and it sucks. And I don't want anyone to ever do that again. So yeah. we will, we got you. So I hope you all made it this far. This is a lot of info for your first first appointments, but we will be back with a a few more in this series, probably talking about how from getting here to an epileptologist and all that good stuff. Yeah, so So it's going to be completely different appointments. Uh, The the epileptologist is um, the specialist um, uh, dedicated uh, to epilepsy that they have uh, more knowledge about the condition. Uh, but there's some differences of those why we want to cover uh, that topic uh, with another podcast. Yes, and why it can make a big difference and stuff. So I appreciate Fernando, you being here with us, Allie filling in for Grace. Grace, hope you feel better. And let's hope hey. for the next one, we don't get attacked by any more celebrities and we will have a smooth going, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hope this helps you guys. And I uh, will catch everybody on the next episode. Have a good, uh, what time is it? Morning. All right. Thank <laughs> you. See you guys later. To the next one. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much. Have a Bye. good day. Bye-bye.